0: Let's hear from Jeremiah 31 and Acts 2. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the lord for i will forgive their iniquity and i will remember their sin no more and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common
1: uh two two different readings and kind of long this morning but uh we'll, we'll come back to why and hopefully that will become apparent as we go through uh if you are new if you're visiting or if uh, you, you missed last week we're taking these three weeks at the start of the year i say the start of the year because in village our year kind of runs uh like september to june kind of like a school year um uh, and we're, we're we're going through what we're calling family traits the DNA of our family, like what makes us village what 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 gives village its villageness um, and and we've been we're looking at our vision statement as a church uh, and and the three main components of that so l- let me just remind you of our vision for our church It'll be on the screen uh, village church belfast desi- desires to be a gospel shaped community of people who love Jesus, each other, and our city of Belfast as we join God in the renewal of all things now uh, Hopefully, you're familiar with that. If you're not, familiarize yourself with that, and and hopefully this short sermon series will help you get familiar with that. This is really good for you guys (laughs) just coming in to learn this. Um, But there's really three parts to that. The three building blocks of, of, of what we believe, not just village, but of every church um, gospel, community, and mission. Those three core things. And so we see this in our vision statement. It's not a random statement we've just pulled out of the air. It's it's based in the Bible. So Village Church Belfast desires to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus. That's the gospel, loving Jesus. And then uh, we want to love each other. That's community. And then finally, and our city of Belfast. That's mission. And so uh, we're, we're breaking these three things down separately this morning. And what we see in the Bible is that when... Uh, maybe, uh, yeah, give us this one. Uh, when these three uh, things come together, that's the church. That gives the church her purpose. Um, we are uh, uh, not just saved by the gospel to become the church. The gospel is a thing which shapes the church. And, and as the gospel is lived out, we, we, we find that there's two components of that. There's community and mission. And, and so these three things this triangle are kind of our foundations. And what the church is, and this is what we're going to see today, is the church is... Uh, the, the, the hands and feet of Jesus as as God redeems the, the world, what we call the renewal of all things, and so that 's why we have this vision statement the, the Church exists as as gospel, community, and mission come together to join what God is doing in the world that's that 's really, uh, really as simply as I can say that now these three things are, they're, yeah they're the foundations of the church but they're actually really hard to separate. So it's hard to talk about gospel without talking about mission because, or, uh, because the gospel is missional. The gospel is meant to go out. Uh, and it's hard to talk about the gospel without talking about community because as we'll see today, that, that when we are saved through believing the gospel of Jesus, that, that we're actually brought into this community. We're saved into a community. Um, if you kind of imagine um, a rope made up of three strands uh, braided together, um, that 's what gospel and community and mission are like they 're like three strands of a rope braided together that 's not my analogy, but it 's a good one, so i 'll use it. I think I think Tim Chester came up with that one but it 's good um, so last week we looked at the gospel um, or, or as much as you can do that in forty minutes. Uh, the good news of of, of the the, the the gospel is the message of the the good news. Literally, the message of that, that Jesus died, was buried, rose again, and ascended to heaven. And then the implications of that are that when we trust in Him, that that we're we are actually raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. That we were dead, and, and then we become alive in Him. And and that gospel shapes every area of our lives because God's redemption is is redeeming all of creation, all of history. We saw uh, from Colossians and Philippians how how uh, uh, Jesus is reconciling all things to himself, political systems, communities, uh, uh, ending poverty, ending homophobia, ending slavery, all these things, all the things that humans have corrupted, that, that God is redeeming all these things through what? Through the blood of the cross. That's what the Bible tells us. So that's, that's the gospel. And, and it's, that's why it's the first one we talk about. That's why it's at the very start of our, our mission statement, a gospel-shaped community. Um, and that's why it's the most, all, the most important part but like I said, you can't separate them, so uh, f- from the gospel then comes community, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, so, why community then? Why is community central? Um, why is it one of the foundations of the church? Why is it, should it be central to who we are? Um, and that might not be obvious at first, but what I'm going to try and do um Over the next few minutes is show that us the church we the church people who uh, i don't mean just people who are are part of village i mean people who are christians people who are trusting jesus uh, are part of this community of followers of jesus that it's and it's not just any old community it's not like joining the library or or the community on your street or you know your football team or something it's 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 part of god's eternal plan for creation the church, is, the church is actually part of God's eternal purposes for the world. The church is a community because from the very beginning of all things, God has been creating a people for himself to live with him together. That's what we see. And so I wonder what you think of when you think of community. Um, there's been a lot of chat recently uh, through coronavirus and so on. It's on the TV and everything about community, hasn't there? Um, Because we feel that when we're separated from each other, it feels wrong, doesn't it? Uh, And there's something deeply ingrained within human nature that needs other people. Um, So, you know, you know, through the coronavirus stuff, you see we're all in this together. Even driving along the motorway, right? You see on the motorway thing, we're all in this together. Wash your hands. We're now a community of people who wash their hands, which makes you wonder: Did people not wash their hands before? Anyway. there has been this kind of national sense of of togetherness let's let's beat this thing together. And, <laughs> thanks Abby and And then maybe maybe a community is less official than that. It's not necessarily always a national directive. Maybe it's just my community is. Uh, the neighbors on my street. And that's, and that's true and that's good. That's one part of it. Like, uh, you know, we have uh, Violet across the street and she's like the old lady who's lived there since like the 40s or the 30s or something. And so she, she just knows everybody and she brings everyone together. Or maybe it's a, a club or a society that you're a part of. Maybe it's a political party. Uh, maybe it's just informally, like the people you know from the gym, oh, that's my gym community or stuff like that. Um, but what's interesting to me is that no matter how individualistic society gets. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean that we all want to be individual, right? We all kind of have our little houses and we don't really, you know, we want to be individualistic. But no matter how uh, individualistic we become, we all long for connection. We all long for community. So think about how much of our lives are lived online now. But what do we do online? We create social media. So even though there is a, a, a reservation and we only want to present the good parts of ourself online, there is still a connection there that we crave and that we long for. But the truth is, and I think this is what the Bible shows us and what we're going to see this morning, is that as good and as important as all those kinds of community are, that they're, they're, they're only shadows of real community. They're only temporary. <laughs> you, you know, without being crude, like one day you're going to die, And you will no longer be part of your football team. Or you'll no longer be part of the community on your street. As close as you may be with those people. And all human communities are are just based on temporary things. But the good news is that that there is real and true community available. And that's what we seek to live out. Real and, and true community does exist. And it's the church. And the reason that the church is real and true community is because the church is eternal. It's part of God's eternal purpose for the world. It's what God has been doing from the very beginning of time, is is creating a people for himself. And so uh, to see this and to show this and and to to get to the heart of why community is so important and why the church is a community, uh, what I'm going to attempt to do now over the next 10 minutes or so is teach you the entire Bible in one go. Um, So I've kind of put myself in a bit of a hole here by trying to do this, but I think it's important. We need to go back to the beginning To show that that this is what God has been doing from the very beginning. So the first thing you need to know is that the Bible is um, is one story, right? Um, It's made up of lots of little books and lots of individual stories within that, but it is one story. The Bible is the story of what God is doing in the world. That's as simply as I can put it. It's really a story of God's renewal and redemption of everything. It's a massive story. It spans. It spans thousands of years. In fact, it doesn't even span thousands of years. It spans all of time. That's how big this story is. But it's one story. And this story has, like every good story, has different themes running throughout it, okay? So you can trace these themes. There's themes like God as king. That's one prominent theme throughout the Bible. And he's setting up his kingdom. He's he's restoring his kingdom with Jesus as king. Or there's a the theme of salvation, we see that right through the Bible. God saved the Israelites from Egypt, just in the same way as he saves us, he saves his people. And you can trace these themes of this one story in every book of the Bible. And one of the main themes of the Bible that we're going to focus on today is this, uh, on the screen, that, that God is creating a community of people for the purpose of knowing and enjoying him. That's one of, uh, it's hard to read the Bible and not see this on every page. That God is creating for himself a people who know and enjoy him. And the first place where we see this, uh, this kind of theme is, is creation itself. So in the very, very beginning, God created human beings in his image for the purpose of knowing and enjoying him. And, and crucially, God didn't create a person in his image. God created people in his image. Way back in, in Genesis 1, it says, Let Genesis 2, it says, Let us create human beings in our image. See, God is a communion. He is a communion of three persons Father, Son, and, and Spirit. And He created humanity in His image to be a communion of relationships. And so, in the beginning, human beings did exist in relationship with each other and enjoying God together. We see that in the, in the, in the Garden in Eden. Humanity. Adam and Eve, these, these, these two people enjoying God and enjoying perfect relationship with each other. But we know that things didn't stay that way. Pretty soon, things took a turn for the worse. And what happened uh, is that human beings rejected God. We thought that we could do better. We thought that, that we could know more than God. We thought that we didn't need God. And it's something that we call the fall. Um, and after the fall, and there's lots of repercussions of that, but we're going to focus, remember we're focusing on this one theme running right through the Bible, a community. And after the fall, community was lost and broken. And it wasn't just the relationship between humans and God that was broken, although that was, there was separation there, but the, 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 the community between, the relationship between people was lost and broken too. So we see that, that, that Adam and Eve, after the fall, the first thing they do is they try to hide from each other. They, they, they sow leaves together to hide from each other. And they try to hide from God. Like you can hide from I always laugh at that bit. You can hide from God just in the bushes. Yeah. Anyway, but they, they try to hide from God and they try to hide from each other because community was lost. But God uh, is full of grace, isn't he? We saw it week, last week as we looked at the gospel. God is full of grace. And, and even though humanity rejected God, And rejected the community that we were part of, God would rescue us. He promises that from the very, very start. And I can't emphasize this enough. Nothing can stop the plans of God. Nothing can hold back the grace of God. That's just going to keep coming and coming and coming. And so so even if we reject God, God steps in and he promises, uh, he makes a covenant with Abraham. And he says, uh, Abraham, through you and your elderly wife, your, your, through you, this elderly man, and, and you, your barren wife, I'm going to uh, give you a family, and then that's going to become a nation. And that nation will become the beginning of God restoring community, making a people that know and enjoy God. And it's all God's doing. That's, it's pure grace. That's why he chooses, he chooses an elderly man and a barren woman, because he's trying to prove, hey, this is me doing this. This is not you doing this. I'm making my people. I'm rescuing you back into the community. And this is exactly what happens. Now, barn, elderly couple have a son who has a son who has a son. And this family becomes bigger and bigger. And then the, the, the family becomes a nation, the nation of Israel. And again... In the nation of Israel, God declares his promise to his people. He says, uh, this is Exodus 6, when he's about to rescue his people from slavery in Egypt, he says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God and you will know that I am the Lord your God. This promise, I am going to make you my people and you will know me. And this is what God does. He sets his people free from slavery in Egypt and he makes them his own. He makes a community of people who know and enjoy God. But here still, God's promise isn't yet fully fulfilled. God isn't, they, they can't, the people still can't be completely in the presence of God because of their sin. And, and, and the, the people aren't uh, completely faithful to God. They can't be completely faithful to God because of their sin. And so this nation of Israel in the Old Testament is just a shadow of God's people. It's a, it's a, it's a foretelling. It's, it's pointing forward to God uh, one who will come and be fully present with us and will be fully faithful to God. And then pretty soon, things go wrong again for God's people. They reject God, they worship idols, they walk away from God's ways once again, and they end up in exile. Just as humanity had been exiled from the presence of God in the Garden of Eden, so the people, God's people again find themselves in exile. They find themselves away from God's presence. They find themselves in broken community. Again, we see this unstoppable grace of God working. God's plans can't be stopped. He's not going to let anything spoil his plans. And so he says, he will rescue his people. And so the prophets emerge. And the prophets, they are just people who were given to the, these are just men who were given to the, men and women who were given to the the people of Israel to declare God's word. And and these promises, again, God says, listen, and this is what Claire read for us in the first part, in, in Jeremiah, when they're still cut off from God and cut off from each other. Listen to what he said, what Claire read for us earlier, Jeremiah 31. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they they will be my people. Again, you guys have rejected me, but I'm still working here. I'm still making my people. I'm still creating this community. He says that that when that day comes, there's not going to be any need for us to teach each other about, about, about him because we will just all know him. And when that day comes, we will be fully in the presence of God. We will be fully faithful to God. And the community that was lost in the fall will be restored. A community of people who know and enjoy God. And then, the promise is fulfilled through Jesus. What is the promise? The promise, remember, is that that right from the beginning that God is saying, I will be with my people and my people will be with me, fully present. And Jesus, the amazing thing about what Jesus does is that, that he fulfills both sides of that promise, doesn't he? What's the, one of the names? We read this at Christmas every year, uh, the prophecy in Isaiah. The name, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. It means God with us. God, Jesus becomes God with us. He fulfills God's side of that promise. He is the presence of God, fully present with his people. But not only that, he, he is, Jesus is also becomes God's faithful people. Jesus does what Adam could never do, what what Abraham couldn't do, what, what Moses and the nation of Israel couldn't do, what none of us can do, what no human being has ever been able to do, and he is fully faithful to God. Jesus fulfills God's promise by being both sides of that promise. He is God with us, and he is us with God. And by fulfilling both sides of God's promise, Jesus opens up the way for for us, people who believe in him, people who who become united to him through through faith in him. He opens up the way for us to enter into that community that's restored, that communion with God and communion with each other. See, in Jesus, God has given back what we threw away. That's kind of the key point of all this community stuff. In Jesus, God has given back what we threw away. This is his grace. This is the unstoppable grace of God. Do you see how this works? That Jesus, uh, through Jesus, God has kept his promise. Through Jesus, God is restoring a community of people who, who know him and enjoy him. And that leads us to us, the church. Uh, one of the things I love most about the Bible story is that, that we get to live in the Bible. We get to live in part of the story, right? We are living uh, in the part of the New Testament that that, uh, that is about what happens after the Holy Spirit comes and before Jesus comes again. So we live in this period where Jesus has gone back to heaven, the Holy Spirit has come, and Jesus still hasn't come back again. And so we live in this section of the bible that's why this network we're part of is called acts 29 there's actually only 28 chapters in acts but but it's like we are a continuation of the church story We're a continuation of that story we are the people of god uh, uh and continue what happens and so for us the church god's promise has been uh god's promise has been fulfilled in jesus and so we get to experience and live out this community here and now we get to experience the presence of God. We get to have communion with each other. You know, I mean, you do this all the time. We don't just do it when we take the Lord's Supper together, when we gather together. We don't just do it when we read the Bible together. We do it when we have friends over for dinner. We do it when we care for one another. And I'll get, come back to that later, so I'll stop there now. And we get to have this communion with other, with each other, knowing that this communion with God and with, with each other will never end. And not only that, it's just going to get better. It's just going to be completely fulfilled. And so we, the church, the people of God, are the, are the new Israel. We're the continuation of Israel through Jesus. Continuation of what God has always been doing in the world. A people who know and enjoy God. And finally then, this uh, one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to bring in this new era, the new creation. Uh, when, when, when God's presence is going to cover the whole earth and we will live in his, his presence completely. And one day, all the, the broken and, and sinful and fallen things will fade away. And what will emerge is, is, that, is a world that God always intended and always planned. This new creation of, of deeper communion with God and deeper relationship with each other. And, and listen to what this will be like. The Bible gives us a taste of what this will be like in Revelation chapter 21. It says this, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. We're not even gonna to have to face the separation of community that comes through death. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things that passed away. I can't wait. I can't wait for that. That will be God's community. Finally, God's community of people who know him fully and enjoy him fully. And that's where we will be forever. And that's the story of the Bible. And so you see, that's one of the themes of, of the Bible. We've gone, well done, we've gone literally from Genesis right the way through to Revelation. Uh, and I wanted to do that, and it takes a little bit of work for us this morning to, to, to think about all this stuff, but I want, I want us to see that, 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 that this is why community is one of the foundations of, of not just our local church here in Village, but the, the global church. Every Christian God has always been creating a people for himself. And one of the key parts of this is that, that we just don't get saved and then individually decide to join the church, you know. Um, the church isn't just the, you know, how to follow Jesus support group. <laughs> like, I mean, I need that. I need a how to, Jesus, how to follow Jesus support group. But the church is more than that. The church is part of God's eternal purposes for the world, for the people. We are you're a Christian this morning. We are the church. We are the beginning stages of the new creation. This is what it's going to be like. I mean, a much better, a more colorful and fuller version of this without mass and COVID. But, but, but we are the beginning stages of the, of the new creation. One of my favorite pastors, uh, he's, he's, he's with Jesus now, uh, enjoying this stuff that I've been talking about. Uh, a guy called John Stott. And uh, he says this. The church lies at the very center of the eternal purpose of God. So he agrees with me. So that's good. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. But this is what he says. He says, it's not a divine afterthought. It's not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. His purpose conceived in past eternity, being worked out in, in, being worked out in history, and to be perfected in future eternity is not just to save isolated individuals, but rather to build his church. That is to call out of the world a people for his glory. If you're a Christian this morning, you are part of God's eternal purpose for the world. Isn't that incredible? Know that. Know your place in a good way. Not know your place, but know your place. Like you're part of God's eternal purpose for the world. You've been called out of the world for God's glory. And this means that it's not optional. We often wish it was optional. We often make it optional. We don't engage as fully as we should or or as we would want to. But when we become Christians, we belong to God and each other, our brothers and sisters. We're saved into Jesus and into each other. In fact, Romans 12 verse 5 tells us that we are members of one another. We belong fully to one another. Just like your biological family You know, one of the mistakes we often make is that we think of our biological family and then impose that onto the church and then we think that's what church should be like. But that's not how it works. (laughs) Our biological families are just shadows of, of real church family, of real family. And so you might decide that you don't want to be part of your biological family anymore. And so you might move out, you might change your name, you might never speak to anyone from them again, but you can't change your DNA It's a a, a scientific fact that you are part of your biological family, no matter how good or bad they may be. And so it is with the church. When you're in Jesus, you are in the family. You're you're part of, it's part of your identity. Uh, So much of what we hear uh, and are taught from from the world is about identity, right? Um, And in, in our society, the starting point of identity is something that we create or construct for ourselves. So it's our job. It's who we're friends are, it's, it's, it's our political po- affiliations, or it's our, uh, the, the things we're into, the kind of clothes we wear, the kind of music we like, all that kind of stuff. But, but an identity that I make for myself is, is com- so far removed from a, an identity, an eternal identity that I receive by the grace of Jesus. So listen to this. In the community of Jesus, he gives me a new identity. And this is, this is what the Bible tells me that, that our identity is. My identity as a Christian is that I am a child of God. I'm a member of the body of Christ and the home of the Holy Spirit. That's who you are. If you're a Christian this morning, you are a child of God. You're part of the body of Jesus and you're the home of the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a second. That's huge. Your identity is not where you live, where you went to school, what your education is, who your job is, who your friends are what you like, what you don't like, your identity first and foremost is that you are a child of God. You're part of the body of Christ. You're the home of the Holy Spirit. This is why community is central to the church, because the church is part of what God has always been doing in the world. And one day, this kind of group of misfits, as we are struggling to give Jesus our best, one day that's going to be perfected and we're going to know each other fully and we're going to know and enjoy God together fully. And so that's kind of why community is central. Everyone with me okay so far? I know that's a lot to cover in 20 minutes. I want to spend the next 10 minutes as we finish answering another question. What does this community look like then? And that's why we read... Acts chapter 2, because in Acts chapter 2, we get this beautiful picture of what the Christian community looks like. It's, uh, you know, the, Luke, uh, who wrote the book of Acts, he sees this early church in Jerusalem, and he sees what the Holy Spirit has done. He sees what this community that God has always been making, what it looks like when people know that they are the children of God, they're, they're the home of the Holy Spirit, and they're part of the body of Jesus. And there's six things, six hallmarks of community, Christian community in here that I want to pull out. Firstly, the community of Jesus is full of devotion to Christ and his kingdom. That's the first thing. That should be the thing that that marks us as separate from the world. Uh, Acts 2.42 tells us, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That's it. You see, uh, the key word in there is, is Devotion. Half-hearted, semi-devoted people, they, those kind of people rarely accomplish anything of value. And if you're half-hearted in your commitment to the body of Christ, whether that's here in Village or whether that's somewhere else, you're not going to experience the fullness of what the body of Christ looks like. And it's the church's dev- devotion to Jesus that is, is mentioned most. They're committed to the apostles' teaching, i.e. they're committed to this. They're committed to, to understanding and hearing God through His word. And this should be the first hallmark of our church. That's why we start with gospel last week. In this family, in village, the good news of Jesus is the foundation of everything that we are and everything that we do and believe. That's why you will hopefully never hear me or any other preacher get up here and not mention the good news of Jesus. We want to be a community that reflects full devotion to Jesus, to each other, and to his gospel and to his good news. And so this is why we have missional communities. It's why we have gatherings like this, so that we can devote ourselves to God's word and to the communion meal and to prayer, a life of prayer together. We share lives that are devoted to Jesus. It's central to who we are. And, and you know, maybe you're someone who is checking us out and, and that's great. You're brilliant to be here. Or Maybe you're someone who, who just comes every now and again to a gathering. You're, you're so welcome but if, you, if you're not part of a missional community, you're not experiencing the fullness of the church. And, and in fact, I would say it's impossible. We hope that it's impossible to be fully part of a village without being part of a missional community. Because it's in the missional community that we, that we see the life of Jesus lived out as we care for one another and, and encourage one another and lead each other and, and sometimes rebuke each other, correct each other. And we'll come on to that. Second, then, the, the, the second mark of, of the community of Jesus that we see in Acts 2 is that there was an anticipation of the supernatural work of God. They, they, they just expected God to do stuff. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They prayed, they were devoted to each other and to the teaching, they expected God to do stuff. And that's the kind of community we want to be. See, the truth is that God is always ready and willing to work through a community who follows him. Here in Acts 2, the people prayed and they expected God to answer. And that's what we want our community to be like. That's the kind of church we are. Um, I was thinking about this. Uh, and we, listen, we've seen... Uh, an, I don't, I don't necessarily want to get into like, wow, this miracle happened and that miracle happened because the miraculous and supernatural is so much more than that and so much deeper than that. And so the example I want to give you is, uh, I'm sure that you all know someone who doesn't know Jesus, somebody that you love dearly. And you think to yourself, man, it would just, I, I'm, I'm thinking of someone right now. It, would just be, it seems like it'd be impossible for them to ever know Jesus. How could that ever happen? They're so far away, but we pray and we ask God for His grace to step in, and then we trust Him to do something. We trust Him to act. Um, even uh, last week, Haley and I were chatting. Um, uh, I, I, this was last year, or the year before. I can't remember. We were uh, we in our missional community. We were just talking about our friends. Uh, like maybe you know, do you, who do you know? Who do you want to pray for? That doesn't know Jesus. We want to pray for them to come to know Jesus. And she prayed for these two people. And uh, she said herself, she's just gone out, but she'll say herself, it was kind of half-hearted. And, and she was like, they were the first people popped into my head, but I love them. And, and so I, pr- we, I prayed for them. And now they're, now they're part of Village East. They're following Jesus. They're discipling and others. They're, they're, um, they're, they're uh, living missionally. That's what God can do. And that's what we should expect God to do. When we pray, just like these Christians do, we expect God to move because He's promised to, and He's dying to act through a faithful community. And thirdly, then the other another mark of this Christian community is that they were deeply committed to one another. All the believers were together and had all things in common. Now, what's interesting about that word "common" that's used there, um, and I'm not—I've given you a lot of stuff this morning, so I'm not going to go too deep. But what that word is actually talking about there is fellowship. It's the same same root word that's used in the start of that when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. It's the same word. um, Fellowship and common are the same thing. It's about what we have in common. And, and so when we think of uh, fellowship in a modern sense, we normally think of, oh, we had a, re-, I mean, this is kind of old-fashioned, but in some way we think of it as this, like, oh, we had a really good time of fellowship together, meaning that maybe we had a really good prayer time, or we had a really good meal together, or, or all those kinds of things, and those are right. But, but in the Bible, fellowship is not something you feel in the Bible, you may feel the effects of that, but in the, in the Bible, fellowship is something that we share in together. It's something that we're brought into through Jesus, it's something that we're part of. We have fellowship because we share, we all share together, being in God. We are part of the fellowship of the church because we are in Jesus. We don't have the same uh, parenting styles. We don't have the same age. We don't have the same, you know, race, culture, whatever. Those are not the things we have in common. What we have in common is that we all are in Jesus. That's the fellowship we share in. And so when we become Christian, we become part of the fellowship of the community of God's people. I said earlier, it's not optional. But what is optional is our devotion to it, Right? In Acts 2, this church community, we see the believers were devoted to the fellowship. They were committed to their togetherness. And so this is why in Village we practice covenant membership. Because in our society, devotion and commitment to things is becoming less and less and less. And so we, we, we want to stand against that culture and we want to practice uh, covenant membership because we commit to being one another. A deep commitment that, that, that binds us together to encourage one another, to disciple one another, to lead one another, to challenge one another, to rebuke one another when we need it, to correct one another, to support one another, to love one another. All those one another's that we see right throughout the New Testament. Then we do that in commitment to one another. That's what membership in village looks like. We desire to be a church, who's a community who's deeply, deeply committed to one another. So when we have a conflict, which will happen, because by the way, the church is made up entirely of human beings who are all messed up and sinful, so we will fight. That's bound to happen. But when conflict arises, we apply the gospel to that. And we don't walk away. We don't say, well, I've had enough of this. No, we're committed to one another. And so we're going to forgive one another. We're going to seek each other's points of view. And we're going to try and find a resolution. We're going to remember that first and foremost, we are the children of God, members of, uh, of, of the body of Christ and the home of the Holy Spirit. Fourthly then, we see the spirit of generosity. Um, and I've just noticed I'm drastically running out of time. So I'll speed through these a little bit spirit of generosity, they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone in need. And, he, and here's the point. In the community of Jesus, everybody is cared for and nobody goes without. If I have too much and someone else has too, doesn't have enough, that's not how the community is supposed to function. We all have struggles, I think. We all become disheartened. We all go through personal hardships. It could be financial it could be mental health, it could be a breakup, it could be marriage troubles, it could be whatever, whatever those things are, the many things that we face in life. But in, in the community of Jesus, we're not blind to the needs of others. And we respond by helping each other, encouraging each other, and be generous with one another. I, one of the things I absolutely love about, uh, this is just one wee culture we have in Village, is when somebody has a baby... You get your dinner made for like two weeks or something. It's great. It's really, really good. Um, just like people just bringing around food and nappies. Nappies are expensive. I say it all the time. Now. And it's great. We take care of each other. We've had experience where, like, you know, people can't pay their bills or their rent. And so the church provides that for them. Or when somebody has a family member that needs looked after, we, we go and do that. There's, exp- there's examples of that in this room. This is how we are generous, that spirit of generosity. Fifth, uh, they had deep fellowship and togetherness. Look at the things they did. They continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I want to point this out because sometimes we think that we're too busy for church. I'm too busy for church, I've got too much going on, I'm juggling, I'm juggling work, I'm juggling my family, I'm juggling my, you know, getting married, or my marriage, or kids, or whatever it might, be. I'm just juggling all these things, and if we see church as just another thing to juggle, it will just always be an extra thing that we don't have time for, but let me give you this quick analogy, I've said this before, uh, before me and Haley were married, Haley lived up in Coleraine and when... And during that time, I would take time out of my life to go and see her. So whether was a, you know, a weekend, I would go up to Korea and see her, or, or she would take time out of her life to see me. She would come down to Belfast for the evening or whatever. But now that we are married, uh, our marriage is the base for everything we do. I don't have to take time out of my life to be married to her. We are together. We are one. Whether, I'm, uh, whether she's out the back with the kids and I'm here, we're still married and that's the way we should see our see church. Church isn't an extra thing to fit in. It's the it's the base that you do everything else from. It's it, it's your it's the community that you're a part of. Church isn't just another ball to juggle or something else to fit in. It's the thing that defines me. It's the thing where I get my identity from. That identity: I'm a child of God. I'm part of the body of Jesus, and I'm the home of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people say to me, they say, well, maybe new people or whatever, they say, well, how can I serve the church? And usually, what people think of is, how can I serve on a team? Or how can I portion off an hour of my week, for example, to to do some good Christian thing for the church? Uh, And that's not what we see in in this community in the Bible. If you want to serve the church, serve your brothers and sisters. That's how you serve the church. It's as simple as that. Um, This week, uh, some of you might know that that, uh, Leanne is Uh, It hasn't been well. And and Tim and Leanne will be able to get a few days up in in Port Stewart, which is great. So a simple thing. I've been going to walk their dog and feed their dog. Really simple. Serving the church. Uh, We've had people who have come around to paint each other's houses when they move in somewhere. Great. Uh, When my sister died, I had people who just came around me and just cried with me. Just serving the church. uh, And again, brought us meals, which is great. Because we say we we serve each other a lot with food. And I think it's really important you see it here in the Bible. We celebrate weddings together. We serve each other just by being present to celebrate with one another. And to grieve with one another. All these things, that's how we serve the church. Not just a portion of time as another ball to juggle. But being something that we're part of. That then we can live in the world together. Finally then, they had the shared destiny from God. They sensed that God was doing something. Listen to this in, in verse 47. And I'm only going to mention this briefly because this kind of leads into next week's mission. This is setting up for the sequel. Um, verse 47 praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were, those who were being saved. They had that sense of awe that, re- that resulted from seeing God answer their prayer. They saw evidence that, of what God was doing uh, above and beyond what they could imagine. They saw that God was doing a work of his own and that they were connected to something that was beyond their power and their, their efforts. And God was transforming the lives of his people. And I imagine as they saw this happening, can you imagine the very first Christian church? They're saying like, this is amazing. This is incredible. If the, if the church was invented now, we would all think this was incredible. They had a feeling that they were being swept along by the current of what God was doing in the world. Incredible. Gift of grace. You see, not only do we see God clearly through community, but this is how the world sees community. People were being saved. People were being added to that community day by day because they saw what God was doing. And that's where I'm going to leave that because we're going to come back to mission and mission through community next week. And so I want to I want to finish with that because we've seen uh, why the church is community. Why community is central? Because it's what God has been doing all through creation. And then we see what this, this community should look like. And I, I, I want to I just kind of tie this all together and talk about us for a second. You weren't designed to live alone. You weren't created to exist in isolation. And when we rely on Jesus and his grace and, and, and trust in the gospel community that, that God has designed his church to be, that's when we experience that, that kind of what you make, what I would call sweet dependence, sweet dependence on one another, and where we truly grasp the gospel, relationships thrive and community is cultivated. Um, and we ha- we we throw up barriers to church all the time, don't we? I'm too busy. Another barrier to community we throw up is that is is is, is, is we condemn ourselves. Well, I'm not a good enough Christian. I don't really have anything to offer there. And I can't really commit so we shy away, we distance ourselves. And maybe it's the opposite. Maybe one of the barriers you throw up is self-righteousness. Ah, oh, man, those people are all messed up. I've been to one of their missional communities and they're also, they're doing this and this. I can't learn in from them. Or maybe self-protection is another barrier. I've been hurt by the church so many times that I just can't be, I'm not doing that anymore. Or maybe one of your barriers community is self Self-pity. You take pride in your suffering. Nobody understands me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've been through. No one can handle the real me. But listen, this is where I really want to finish because the time is really gone. No matter what your reservation is to, to community, no matter what barriers you throw up, your reservation all stems from the same thing that we don't see the church family the way Jesus sees the church family. How does Jesus see the church, you might ask? Listen to what the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5. Paul is talking about marriage relationships, and he says this, Husbands, love your wives. Listen, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In, in Acts 20, Paul is he's teaching the elders of a church and, and why they're to take care of the, of the church. And this is what he says, Care for the church which Jesus purchased with his blood. Jesus purchased by his blood. You see, Christ loved the church so much that he gave himself up for her. Christ bought us, redeemed us, purchased us with His blood at the cost of his death. and that's how Jesus sees the church. He loves the church so much that He died for us. That's what the church is worth to Jesus. And so the question is: I wonder what the church is worth to you. I wonder what this eternal thing that God is doing in the world is worth to you. Is it worth dying for? Is it worth pursuing at all costs in the way Jesus did? It's pretty simple to be part of the church community. It's simple, but it's not easy. And Jesus boils it down to, to this one thing He says, Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. This is the core of what we see in Acts 2. This is, this is how this community that God has been creating right from the very beginning comes together. And if we love each other in the way Jesus loves us, like he tells us to, it means that we won't judge each other. It means that we won't speak evil to one another. It means that we won't lie to one another. It means that we won't gossip about one another. And it means that we won't keep account of wrong things. It means we won't compare ourselves to each other. But if we love Jesus, if we love each other as Jesus has loved us, we're going to be kind to each other. We're going to pursue one another. We're going to be compassionate to one another. We're going to forgive one another. We're going to submit to one another. We're going to think more of one another than of ourselves. We're going to encourage and rebuke and hold each other to account. We're going to comfort each other. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to gladly bear each other's burdens. And listen, we can put all the systems and structures in place. We can do MCs and core groups and all these kinds of things. And those are great. And, and they're just ways for us to do this. But, but at the end of the day, it's about this. We are the blood-bought, eternally promised people of God, and we are to love each other as Christ loved the church. It's that simple. That's my encouragement for us this morning as we move into this new year together, that we are part of what God has always been doing in the world, God's eternal purposes. and Our role is to love one another as Jesus loves us. It's that simple. Um, so let's keep, let's keep looking to him. Let's keep remembering the gospel, and that's what we're going to do now as we uh, take the Lord's Supper together together. Um, and pursue one another together. Let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll, we'll take this meal together.